Welcome back to Other People's Lives. I'm Joe Santagato. I'm Greg Dybeck. For anyone out there that wants to be a guest on our show, don't hesitate to reach out to us. We have an email, oplpodcast at gmail.com. Just hit us up and we'll get something scheduled out. Yeah. And today we are actually going to re-explore what for us was probably one of the most interesting and eye-opening topics that we've ever discussed on the show. Uh, it was a long time ago, but we're going to be speaking to someone who reached out with the subject line, four people live in my body. Uh, this is someone with dissociative identity disorder. It's formerly known as multiple personality disorder. And this is a disorder when someone has the presence of two or more distinct personal well, personalities, I guess, and identities within them. Um, and each may have a unique name, personal history, characteristics. And it was years ago, we spoke to someone who had seven of these alters. And it was so mind-blowing. And uh, we have so many new listeners now that we kind of want to bring this topic back with a new guest. So we're super excited to learn about uh, this guest's experience uh, and their alters. So we've got the guest on the line. And thanks so much for being on today. Thank you guys for having me. I'm actually really excited to be able to talk about this. So thank you again. Yeah, you were just mentioning before the call that you've never really spoken to anyone about this in your life. Well, I've spoken to um, a therapist um, and another therapist before that. Um, but personal friends, close friends of mine are the only people I've ever actually uh, been able to talk to about it. Yeah, well... I guess now let's uh, loop in thousands and thousands and thousands of strangers. <laughs> so that's what we do. <laughs> yeah, no, we, we appreciate it. But yeah, can you just start off? Um, I guess, first of all, was my definition correct? And uh, when did you, you know, realize that uh, you had dissociative identity disorder? Well, your um, description of it was really actually um, nice to hear. It was um refreshing to say the least. Um, I realized that I had <clears throat> dissociative identity disorder. I want to say around, uh, when I was 24, I'm about to be 27. Um, for a long time, I was given a lot of different diagnoses, um, in therapy and none of them really fit quite correctly or they would fit sometimes and, uh, not at others. And I started, exploring the idea uh, because of a friend of mine who also has dissociative identity disorder and um, they made a post about it um, on Facebook a few years ago. I brought it up to my therapist and she was surprised and she said it was something that she uh, was going to talk to me about because uh, she was working on my diagnosis. So in that session, she uh, said, I think you meet the criteria for dissociative identity disorder. And it's kind of been a learning experience ever since. Um, and the thing about getting diagnosed, um, at least for me, I live in Nevada, which has the worst mental health, I think in the country, like the worst mental health care. You don't really um, get like a certificate or anything fancy. You don't really get like a plaque that has your diagnosis on it. It's kind of just a, a consensus, at least for me, that's what it's been um, that you have with a, a professional. So since then, I've just been exploring it more and more, and it's kind of clicked in my head for me that through my healing and my journey in therapy and uh, kind of rediscovering the experiences, like the adverse experiences I had in childhood and how that kind of formed uh, the council, I guess. The council? Yeah, I, I like to call it the council. It's a really <laughs> fun way of uh, describing you know, and there's a couple people up in there and they're all trying to. Oh, like, 
I like that. The, the council. council of your, all the personalities and the altars. Gotcha. I like that. Can, can you uh, kind of describe the other personalities or identities? Also, which word is like appropriate for that? Um, I really like altars. I think that's good. Yeah. Um, yeah, it kind of just uh, describes like, you know, if you play like a video game, you have multiple save files at right. the, the game. That's a really good analogy, I think. Hmm. But yeah, I would love to be able to describe them. Um, there's four and they kind of correlate to uh, points in my life, like developmentally. So um, there's Zoe, which is my birth name. And that's kind of a... Uh, represented as like the inner child like the uh you know I can still visualize them as what I imagine I looked like as like an eight-year-old child which is when I experienced a pretty severe trauma um and then there's Felix which kind of developed as like the, the adolescent took over like from you know uh ages like after eight to around 16 or 17 and then there's Pax which is uh, an altar that I still am a lot of the time. Um, and that was around, I want to say when I was 20, 21. And recently after that, um, when I discovered I had, or when it finally clicked, you know, um, I feel like I coined uh, the new name. I have a chosen, chosen name of Ezra. And that's the altar that I'm in most presently. And, uh, someone that I've recently become, I'm very quite happy with. Uh, yeah, I could go into a lot all of right. detail about so, all people, but yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, no, we, and we are curious to kind of understand the differences. So Ezra is the altar that you're currently in. You said, I would say that's like the, the captain of the ship. They kind of are represented by, um, me, um, as I am presently, you know, mm-hmm. I've been, a like I, I made a child, you know, I made a whole nother human being and that that's a kind of a crazy thing that happens, but I became a mom. So they're kind of the, the motherly, uh, like the mother goose type person. Yeah. And do you have, um, because someone we talked to in the past is like, they don't really have mem like if I remember correctly, like memories when the other altar is sort of at the front. So is this something that you can control or does it sort of just hop in and out of other altars? It's both. <clears throat> Sometimes if you're uh, particularly, if I'm triggered or something is really upsetting to me, um, I'll tend to switch over. It's not really a conscious decision, but what's really cool I think um and that I'm happy to be able to talk about is I find my altars to be quite helpful and I can bring them forward when I need to um I've learned that through uh kind of getting to know them um as they are and if I can be completely honest I've experimented with the different psychoactive drugs that uh like ketamine is a dissociative and I remember it being particularly helpful in sort of identifying um, all of these altars and bringing them together, uh, as I call like the council. You know, I started mm. being able to to recognize all of them at the same time. Ah, uh, that's interesting because yeah, to to Joe's point, I know the um, first guest that we spoke to years ago that had I believe it was seven altars. Um, 
like Joe was saying, there were moments where he wasn't necessarily in control of when like a certain altar would like front. So literally for him, you know, if he's like a, a straight male, then like one of his altars identifies as like a, I don't know, like gay teen boy, I think it was or something. So like he'd all of a sudden like had a boyfriend through one altar, but then would go back to his host and like not really have memories. But like for the past week was maybe like with his boyfriend, even though then he's back as his like straight identifying host. And it, it, yeah, it seemed like very like blackout moments and um, his like an in inability to kind of control, I guess, which altar would you know, front. Um, but in your case, it seems like you're saying that it that can happen, but it's also like something that you're learning to control. And almost when you say counsel, is it almost like embodying all of them at the same time, sort of like, are they communicating with each other? You know, that's an interesting question. Um, sometimes it feels like I'm Ezra, <clears throat> but there could be sort of like the out of body, like, um, almost like an ego, like an absent of ego experience where you're just observing all of them at the same time. You're not, you're kind of just, uh, like, like the combination of all of them mm -hmm. is, um, if that makes sense. And, you know, um, the other guest you had on who had seven, like, um, you were saying that sometimes they will be a different altar for a period of time and they won't really have a memory of it. That definitely, I, I do relate to that. Um, I do have an altar that I don't really uh, have control of or remember a lot of the time. They're very, very un like one-dimensional, and it's um, someone I call Sarah. It's uh, the customer service voice. You know, like when you clock into work and you kind <laughs> of like this autonomous person. For me, that's like um, represented by this person I call Sarah. So I think it's it's... It's really interesting to think about. I imagine that there is like kind of a collection of, um, you know, experiences or moments or, or sporadic alters, I would guess, that I, I may not even know that uh, I've been. That's kind of the trippy thing about it. Huh. Yeah, I mean, uh, and my next question, I, you know, I was going to ask was, has there ever been any? any other altars besides the four that you currently have now, like has any, you know, presented themselves, but then sort of, uh, just kind of disappeared over time. Oh yeah. I've had things that I've grown out of for sure, <clears throat> or they've evolved definitely. And I think what's interesting about the dissociative identity disorder is it's kind of like when, when you think about the actual dissociative identity disorder, it's kind of like, I would imagine typically people are able to remember like moments um, in their adolescence or growing up where they felt like, you know, if they were to meet that person, they might have completely different interests. Um, I think for me, and I know that other people with dissociative identity disorder say this, it's like uh, to think of yourself as a cohesive, like unified, <clears throat> streamlined person is... It, uh, it just doesn't compute. So I think it's also really important to highlight that this is like a memory thing as well. Like it is a disorder because there are times that um, I will not remember full conversations 
that I've had. And I know that I've had them because someone will tell me and there's this vague recollection, but no way to actually um, to pull that information out because those alters are tied, you know, to an emotional state. So sometimes it can be really distressing. And I know that it's caused problems in um, my relationships, both like friends and, and romantic partners, where I'm simply unable to remember or process certain things. And I know that um, my last partner <clears throat> would not uh, believe me. You know, they would find it to be like a cop-out or something like that. Um, you know, like, there's no way that you don't remember it. We just talked about it. Hmm. Or it would have been in the same conversation even. As soon as I start to get stressed out, the uh, cohesion kind of falls away. And, you know, there's nothing that I can remember. Wow, that's interesting. Could could this be a case where, like, say we were to have this conversation with you, like, a week from now? Like, do you have so much control over it now? Or, like, could we be speaking with an alter? Or could, like, in a week from now, you not even remember, like, the details of this conversation because you've kind of, like, switched to a different alter? Right. So at this point in my healing, um, I'm very confident in saying I will remember this conversation. I've looked forward to this conversation. And um, I'm, I'm Ezra almost all the time. And if I'm not, there's a pretty good chance I'm aware of it. And if I'm not aware of it, there's ways of telling that you are sort of slipping away or you're, you know, dissociating like you've heard a lot of people I'm sure like since mental health has become more of a talked about thing like a trending thing people say like oh my god I'm dissociating well um that experience everybody dissociates but when it's like a disorder you know that it's happening because of uh <clears throat> certain things like feeling like you're you, you're you're floating or not remembering what you were just talking about, or maybe someone was just saying something to you and you're just like, huh? There's little clues that can help tune you in. So part of coping is learning how to deal with that at moments when you are dissociating and how to express that and manage it so that you don't lose important information. Hmm. Yeah, and when when you are like, you're hanging out with your friends, then you like have like a different altar kind of is um, like presenting itself. Is it obvious that you're another altar or like, can, can people tell or is it, are they very similar? You know, my friends, my close friends, um, like my best friend actually reminded me of Sarah, which is really funny because I, I didn't really have an idea of, of that I was that person. And it was because we were talking about employment and working, um, I've been a line cook for years and it's something that, um, Ezra just really doesn't like Ezra will not refuses to ever work in a restaurant again, but Sarah, um, is willing to, and kind of excited about the idea of maybe going back into like the workforce and it comes out in moments and I do not remember it. I, I, Ezra does not remember Sarah at all. Even though this is this is your day job, like almost every day you're going in and cooking and having this job. I'm unemployed right now. I'm a I'm I'm a stay at home mom and an artist. I don't really I don't do the nine to five anymore. It's just uh, something I gave up a long time ago. I'm at peace with that. I'm fortunate enough to live um, at home uh, with my mom in our family home. So uh, 
I don't have to worry about rent, which I used to. And I'm just honestly, uh, it's been really good for my health. So Sarah is someone that comes out, I guess, when um, things get hard. And I imagine, yeah, I could, I could do that. I could do the nine to five. The memories that you have of like being a line cook. So you worked this job, I assume for some time, but those, do those memories kind of live with Sarah? Like when you are Ezra, which you mostly are, do you have those memories of being a line cook or no? Yeah. So that's the thing. They remember it differently. Like I can have shared memories for events. Um, like as Ezra, I know that, um, working in a a restaurant is, is only, comical because it's something that I uh I would do as like a a a bet you know like how long could you last kind of thing it's just like yeah I'm 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 way over it but uh Sarah it's like um I would it almost accept a job offer and then not even remember it like there have been yeah it's it's um I've actually honestly had issues where like you'll use indeed and um if Sarah is present, I'm not aware, I'm stressed out, and I feel like, oh, man, I need to do something productive. I'll start applying to jobs. Maybe I'll get a job interview or uh, something like that. I'll have a phone interview. Um, I won't remember it, and then I'll get, like, an email. I'll be like, oh, wow. And then as Ezra, I'll remember, oh, dang, I almost accepted that job, like, last week. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, like, you know, is there – if you're working a day job, is there like multiple sort of shifts in who is, uh, coming forward, like coming forward during one day, or is it usually, you know, you're Ezra for, you know, a month at a time, or is there a lot of kind of switching? So it really depends on where I'm at, like my environment. Um, Living at home, as nice as it is to not pay rent, um, I have a very, very chaotic home life right now, and that can definitely um, lead to a lot more of the dissociation and slipping into other altars more frequently. But if I'm comfortable, if I'm you know, not really stressed out at the time, I'm typically Ezra uh, or Pax all the time. That's interesting. So there really are key triggers then for you now. So, so hard. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I just want to touch on what you said before. Like, I, I think you're right. Like, obviously in this case where you've kind of, you know, explored and have had these personalities kind of come forward and understand them, um, that is, you know, dissociative identity disorder. Like you said, like that in a sense makes it a disorder, I guess, but there are so many people who can experience, I guess, like moments of dissociation, like you said, um, or like a sense of being detached from themselves or their emotions. Like, I think that is commonly triggered in, um, a lot of people. I've seen a lot of discussions around that too, where necessarily they don't necessarily, um, have like DID or like understand, like there's these alters that present themselves in different personalities, but, um, they can maybe just I guess, I don't know, just like understand that almost like a blurred sense of identity or like detachment. So I think, I think a lot of people can probably still relate to some of those feelings or like the understanding of being triggered that kind of uh, like causes them to dissociate a bit. Um, but I am curious, you know, one thing that I've read about this disorder is that it's can typically be a reaction to trauma 
and sort of a way to help a person avoid bad memories maybe or traumatic moments from their life. Would you say that's the case with you? Yes, absolutely. I'm glad that you um, brought that up because I'm very passionate about that. Everybody has experienced some kind of trauma in their life. But um, with complex trauma, I think, or prolonged trauma, it can tend to um, fracture a person's identity in a way. So uh, when you're growing up as a child, you learn everything about the world, uh, yourself, who you should be, how to make friends from um, your parents or whoever is raising you. And you are not able to form a cohesive sense of self if you do not have a safe place to um, grow up or, you know, be a human, make mm-hmm. mistakes. If you're constantly in a state of like hypervigilance, you know, always worrying about um, something that's going to happen or fearing for your safety or your needs, then there's no way to explore what it means to be you, you know, because all, all you really are is um, you're either hungry or you're tired or you're scared or, you know, something else. So I experienced a really um, profound amount of trauma growing up and I'm very comfortable um, with it now, but growing up, it um, made it impossible to, to have a cohesive identity in the way that most people normally would if they had the safety to, to be themselves all the time, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I think, I think that's really well said. And, um, you know, up to you, how much detail you feel comfortable going in, but, uh, do you know like exactly what from sort of your childhood, um, that you kind of see as, as the trauma that has maybe brought this on? Yes, I do. So I remember I wrote you guys, I think an email first when it was, um, I think the title was something like I grew up in a suburban crack house (laughs) or something. Um, but I realized that's, you know, that's not really what I want to talk about. I'd rather talk about myself and, and everything. So I'm glad that, uh, I wrote a different email, but that's kind of, you know, um, that's kind of like what I ex- experienced. I, I grew up in such a way that, uh, was really, really just chaotic and I did not have, uh, a chance to, mm. uh, you know, was it, was it living with like a, was it like a family that were addicts or? Yeah. My mom is, um, has been addicted to heroin for, uh, maybe close to f- 40 years. Wow. Oh, wow. Like presently? Yes. Oh, wow. But you mentioned before that you live with your mom. Yes, I do. Oh, this is getting complex. Oh, yes. That's a whole nother thing. If you ever want to um, have me back on the show to talk about um, addiction from the eyes of a person who's never used, I, I have, that's a big part of um, my life, you know, was, was being around that. And it's gotten pretty crazy at times, but I'm at peace with it and I'm, I'm learning so much, you know, um, wow. to, to handle it now. Do all of your alters recognize your mother as their mother as well that's such an interesting question i really like that and i'm not sure um 
yeah, I know that from my own healing as Ezra, um, part of like growing is recognizing my mom as not my mom, but as another human being. Um, and I know that a lot of people, uh, who I'm close to who've also experienced, um, a lot of trauma or an abusive parent, um, kind of resonate with that, where if you can look at your parent, the person who hurt you, not as your mom, <clears throat> but as another human being who may have also suffered in ways that you're, you can't imagine, it can help you um, to find that peace, that forgiveness that you need. Wow. So is that sort of what's allowed you to stay in that environment? It's just so, so interesting to hear that you're, you essentially, this you know, dissociative identity disorder, um, sort of, I guess, stemmed from the trauma of your childhood of living with a parent that's a drug addict and not being able to really form an identity for yourself growing up in that environment. But you've, but you're still in that environment, even all these years later. So yeah, how, how exactly then, I mean, I guess you kind of just touched on, but like, how do you kind of cope with that? Or is it the like constant like dissociation that is like allowing you to kind of cope and stay in this environment? And like, why are you staying in this environment? I guess is my question. Well, that's, those are all wonderful questions. And you kind of, um, you, you were pretty intuitive with that. Um, yes, I do dissociate a lot and sometimes it helps. Um, other times, um, I'm able to kind of glide through difficult situations by uh by parceling it out or by putting it in in um in little packages I can digest or in ways that I can better understand and you know living currently here with my mom um I'm here for a lot of reasons and a really big one is it's so it, it difficult to live um like to, to, uh, to make rent, to be able to find time for yourself, um, to take care of all of your needs. And my grandfather, uh, my late grandfather left this house to my mom, um, completely paid off. And because of that, I have the privilege and I'm fortunate to be able to not have to worry about rent right now. So despite how difficult and chaotic and, and insane it is that I'm back here, um, wow. It, it feels like kind of like a trade-off. Like, you know how I, I, I hate work so much. Um, it caused so much trauma for me, um, given who I am or, you know, who we are, if, if that makes sense. That I'd rather, it's like the trade-off. I, I could work and try and make rent and still have uh, this much sanity, or I could just be here and pursue my art, spend time with my daughter. Um, when she's with me, she... And her, uh, her dad and I are separated. So, you know, I have that half on half off life and I'm enjoying it. And also something I wanted to touch on, you know, earlier is you had, when you were naming, <clears throat> sorry, you were naming your alters, uh, are they, are some different genders than other? Yes. I'm glad that mm. you asked that question. Pax is a uh, male. Mostly. I'm, I'm the non-binary, um, agendered or all gendered gender. Uh, I don't gend most of the time, but Pax likes to be a boy, uh, feels like a boy. 
Um, and Zoe's definitely a girl and Felix is more feminine than not. So yeah, that's an interesting question. Hmm. Yeah. And, um, I guess, yeah. What are, are there any other like key differences between them? Cause I think that's so interesting how distinct all of these altars can be down to, you know, different genders. And what are some of the other, like, I guess, stark, like personality differences between these kind of altars that all live inside of you? Right. So Felix is, um, probably my least favorite altar. Um, and that's kind of like the, you, you know, when you're an angsty, depressed teenager and you say things like everybody hates me, yeah. uh, I want to die. I should just like, I should just su- commit sewer slide because you, you know, the world is a, f- is a, yeah, that's kind of the, the Felix. And by the way, I should have asked this. What is the deal with profanity on your show? Is that something you should avoid? Yeah. Go crazy. Okay, cool. Yeah. Thank you. That helps. So, yeah, uh, Felix is the, the angsty teenager um, who tried to cope with uh, the lack of um, love and care through um, self-harm and, uh, you know, Coheed and Cambria and uh, System of a Down and all that that kind of that jazz. Good bands. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Um, I'm curious, too, like to go back a little bit, like when these first started presenting themselves like what does that moment feel like if you can even put it into words i would imagine i mean maybe i'm wrong but is it kind of strange to navigate like hey like i'm sort of a different person sometimes yeah i had a really interesting and profound moment um a few months ago i was in carson city um with my ex-boyfriend and I really did not want to be there. I got a call from one of my mom's friends, um, needing help with the security system back at the house in Las Vegas, which is like, uh, almost 500 miles away. And it's the middle of the night and I'm dealing with something completely different. I already don't want to be in Carson city. And it was just a really aggravating situation, but I found it comical. And, in that moment, I remember it was the first time I kind of saw all of the altars, like I was able to visualize them as separate people talking to one another. And what they looked like, they all looked different, different styles, different like, um, you know, um, haircuts and whatever, different like mannerisms or, or like ages even. Um it was really trippy. I remember uh, Ezra watching, you know, Pax and Felix argue and Zoe <clears throat> kind of like moping and crying, feeling left out. And I remember it was kind of like one of those cartoonish moments in your head. And I was laughing. I was like, wow, you know, um, it was just it was it was really fucking weird. I don't really know if it would make sense to anybody else outside of that moment but I was really tired I was overwhelmed and I remember just feeling all of these different conflicting things and um yeah they they were all in different people yeah wow um I'm curious you know before we wrap um I guess you said you haven't told many people but um how would you respond to like the person who just, um, 
kind of brushes this off, or I think you kind of mentioned it before where, you know, people might say like, uh, this is an excuse, or I guess it's just so hard for people to understand because of just how much this is only happening inside of you and, and how difficult it is to describe to someone who has maybe never felt these things. Um, like, do you ever run into people or is there kind of controversy out there where people almost think like this isn't real or like, don't want to give it credit as a disorder. Yeah, I'm sure there are. <clears throat> Even my own uh, my own brother, who suffered pretty much almost uh, the same or similar to the TE trauma as me, uh, hasn't started their journey in, in therapy. They don't really understand it. And to be completely honest with you, not to sound like an arrogant dick or anything like that, but I... I uh, I'm so at peace with myself. I'm completely blissfully comfortable just being all of me, all of us. That if somebody were to question it or um, tell me that I'm lying, it truthfully, I don't think it would phase me because the, the experience of just being, everybody has such a, a vastly different experience of being. And I think that's why uh, we're all drawn to each other. It's because, you know, if you're stuck just being you, there's nothing to really compare it to. So um, if somebody's telling me that I'm lying, um, like, that sucks. I'm sorry that you can't imagine um, being many. You know, it's 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 a weird kind of uh, cool sort of fantasy uh, life that I, we all live. And I'm just really happy to be here. Uh, I think we all are. Hmm. I think that's a really cool way of looking at it, you know, like to, you, you call it like living a, a fantasy almost because when you're younger, I mean, you pretend to be a bunch of different people. So it's like, if that sticks yeah. with you sort of in a way, um, you know, that's what, you know, you're, you're talking about, but yeah, we, we appreciate you, you coming on and, and talking to us and, uh, you know, letting us know about your journey, uh, with this and yeah, super interesting stuff. Absolutely. And I would just like to say, while um, I'm still here, I really appreciate the level of care and respect that you take to everybody you talk to and have on your show. It's really refreshing and endearing, and I'm, I'm here for it. Thank you guys for what you do. I hope you uh, keep doing it. Damn, thank you so much. appreciate that. Yeah, we appreciate that, and uh, we will definitely keep doing it. If we, if we can keep having conversations like this. Um, but like we always say, it's, it's the guests that make the show, not us. Um, you know, hopefully we're good listeners, but we appreciate you coming on. Um, like you said, it's something you haven't really spoken to a lot of people about. So to, to come on a platform like this, knowing, um, how many people are now going to hear your story. Uh, we just, you know, we, we appreciate it so much. The show's nothing without people like you. So thank you for that. And, you know, we wish you and the council good luck with everything. <laughs> well, we thank you and the pleasure is all ours. Thanks again. All right. No Have problem. See you. Bye. Bye. Now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. There are plenty of ways to support a healthy brain, like reading, listening to podcasts, or learning a new language. There's also BetterHelp Online Therapy. Personally, I've always taken a lot of care to support my physical health, and it hasn't been until recently that I realized just how important it is to maintain and support my mental health as well, and therapy has helped me do that. It's been a huge game changer in my life, and it's honestly helped in ways that I didn't even realize it could when I first started. 
BetterHelp is online therapy that offers video, phone, and live chat only therapy sessions. So you don't even have to be on camera with someone if you don't want to be. And it's way more affordable than in-person therapy, which is super expensive these days. And you can even be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. So you can really sign up and get started right away. And our listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash OPL. That's betterhelp.com slash OPL. Sign up, try it out, see if it's for you, and get 10% off that first month. That's betterhelp.com slash OPL. We're excited to tell you about Bond Charge. Bond Charge is a holistic wellness brand with a range of premium wellness products to help you sleep better, perform better, have more energy, and more. Personally, I work at a computer pretty much all day long, and it would end up giving me headaches, making me tired, my eyes would feel strained, and since getting Bond Charge's computer glasses, I just wear them all day long, and I'm not as fatigued, my eyes never feel as strained, and I just feel better after a workday just from wearing these computer glasses. I also recently started using blue light blocking glasses, which I wear at night, two to three hours before bed, and it helps me sleep way better. And I've tried plenty of other blue light glasses in the past and computer glasses, and none of them really seemed to work. Uh, almost felt like a hoax, not gonna lie. But with Bond Charge products, I can truly feel the difference and just the change in my quality of life from, from day to day. Probably because their products are science-backed and tested, unlike a lot of these other companies. And you can get prescription, non-prescription, and they have a range of other products that are also worth checking out. So head over to bondcharge.com slash OPL. Use the coupon code OPL to save you 20%. And that is bondcharge, B-O-N-C-H-A-R-G-E.com slash OPL. OPL and use coupon code OPL to save 20%. Last sponsor of the day, guys. I'm going to make this quick. It is Secret Handshake Food Co. Everything Bagel Hot Sauce. Yes, Joe and I are co-creators of this along with Heatnist, the company that uh, does all the sauces for hot ones. Great show. Almost as good as this show. Uh, but check this out, guys. We love how this came out. We sold out of our first batch in weeks. Um, people are loving it. We're so happy with it. Everything bagel hot sauce. Tastes delicious. Has a great kick. Give it a try. Head over to secrethandshake.shop. Grab a bottle for yourself, or you can head over to heatonist.com, and you should see, see it there on the homepage. Uh, or just search everything bagel hot sauce. This is the world's first Everything Bagel Hot Sauce. So if you search that, it's going to come up. Try a bottle and let us know what you think. Again, super happy with this and really want you guys to try this and enjoy this. Kind of wish I had a council. Damn, we just got like four new friends in one shot. <laughs> <laughs> fucking idiot. Um, but... Yeah, man. I mean, that's, it is super interesting stuff. And that was honestly a really cool way of looking at it at the end where it's like other people think that I'm lying. That's fine. But, you know, I feel like that sort of encapsulates this it, every episode that we could have done where it's like, oh, this is, this is weird. Or like this person's making this up or whatever. And it's like, I mean, we're all just having different experiences here. And it's like, 
why why really lie why make it up or you know it doesn't i don't know that it just felt really like refreshing to hear that sort of very yeah. passive answer to people who are just being malicious yeah i think yeah exactly i mean it, it it's a real experience if it's real to her and like i mean i think enough people have come forward to talk about this and it's categorized as you know what it is dissociative identity disorder and um yeah it's just like to to bulletproof yourself in that way is uh i think it is refreshing like you said no matter what it's in regard to um but that's just like a level of like self-esteem and comfort with yourself that's hard for everyone i think at times to to have so um to hear someone that's very sure of themselves especially when um they're sharing a story like that which i ask that question because you know maybe even people listening here it's like it's just so hard to wrap your head around and understand and it, it i could see it being easy for people to say like really like are we just like putting words to this thing that doesn't make sense but like i think she did a really good job explaining it and um she doesn't care what you guys think so there's that. Yeah. I feel like I threw that out the window once we started doing the show. Like eventually it was just like, I can't, I don't believe this. This is very hard to believe, blah, blah, blah. But then after you have these in-depth conversations with enough people, you start to realize like, dude, this is obviously all real and people are having different experiences. And I mean, you can argue about which like, oh, there's a part of the brain or a chemical and but it doesn't even that, that to me doesn't even matter yeah, like yeah. your experience and your reality is what is real and then like if that is the reality for some people like then it has to be real yeah and, and in this case like as as a reaction to trauma to her childhood to what she went through like this is what her mind and body like created for itself i guess to uh cope you know, I think, I guess that's what that is. And, you know, that's yeah. her personal experience that she went through and that's her experience, you know, after it. So arguably it better than when some people go through trauma and like shave their head and uh, get a shitty tattoo, you know, sometimes yeah. people do that. She may have, we don't know, but, um, <laughs> but who knows, maybe one of her alters, but yeah, no, totally. And, um, yeah, no, just really will like forever be uh, just one of the most interesting topics to talk about. So yeah, we, we appreciate yeah. her sharing her story. Definitely. And for anyone out there that wants to share their story on our show, definitely hit us up. Our email is oplpodcast at gmail.com. And uh, yeah. Yeah, follow us on Instagram, on TikTok for a bunch of clips at OPL Podcast and head over to patreon.com slash OPL show um, if you want to contribute to that and we'll use the funds for different charities and things like that. And uh, that is all for this week. Yep, we'll see you guys next time. 